0: You're listening to The Kelly Green Show.
1: B A T L E S Eagles! This podcast is powered by Eagle Maven of Sports Illustrated. A bunch of underdogs. And you know what underdogs is? It's a hungry dog. Hungry dogs run fast. And that's this team! Here's your host, Football Kelly. Welcome back to the Kelly Green Show, now officially on the Eagles Unfiltered podcast. Eagles fans are excited about the upcoming NFL draft, and for good reason. The team we love has a lot of roster needs after an underperforming 2020 season. The new coaching staff coming in needs young talent and good culture fits for the future of the franchise, and the front office has 11 picks to work with. Earlier this offseason, almost a lifetime ago, really, Connor Miles and I spoke to NFL Network's Ben Fennel about some of the guys coming out and what he looks for when evaluating prospects as players and people. It was a great discussion, but so much has happened since that time that it was only right that I asked him to come back on the show as we approach the end of the month in Cleveland, Ohio. First off, Ben, how have you been?
0: I'm doing well. It's crazy that we're sitting here. Uh, Mid-April, less than two weeks away from the first round. It's kind of a uh, slow sprint, as they kind of say in this, uh, you know, the off season heading up to the draft. It seems like there's a lot of news and there's a lot of buzz and a lot of conversation, but we really haven't gone anywhere, uh, which yeah. makes it fun and makes it tiresome in the same way. Kind of excited to get it over with and move on to 2022, but uh, let's dive in.
1: All right. Well. As you mentioned, there's a lot of buzz, and the Eagles were part of that buzz heading into the draft with the trade back. Uh, when you look at the board on this draft class, what's your evaluation as far as the drop off in talent level from when they were going to be picking at six versus now picking at 12?
0: Well, it's not a significant drop off if you don't need a quarterback moving from six to 12 could put you in a completely different tier of quarterback as the quarterbacks always get pushed to the top, as we're seeing this year with five quarterbacks essentially going in the top 10, potentially even going one, two, three, four, five with a few more trades uh, leading up to draft day. But as long as you're not in the quarterback market, sitting there at five, six, seven is really the same hopper of prospects as 10, 11, 12 you're going to have access to maybe the top one or two tackles, the top one or two receivers, the top one or two corners, uh, with potentially a surprise pick in there as well that maybe there's an extra prospect or two that you weren't considering to have access to. So to be able to stockpile an extra pick in next year's first round, which 2022 is a whole nother conversation and how crazy that draft's going to be with all the super seniors returning with the extra year of eligibility. The class is this big. Next year, it's that big. And for those not watching, my hands are just completely wide for 2022. Really deep class. So great foresight of the Eagles to kind of plan ahead and see that potential deep class and having potentially three first-round picks for next year while only moving from 6 to 12 in this year's class. That's some pretty good wheeling and dealing that we've seen before.
1: Yeah, and I, I was surprised that they made the move. I think a lot of fans were attached to that pick at six. So, uh, you know, I think
0: they just felt like it was a can't miss Kelly, you know, and it was just like uh, we're going to have somebody that can't miss there. And then moving to 12, it just starts to enter that miss territory a little bit more. So fans are then thinking, oh, sheesh, now it's black and white. Now it's not so uh, locked in. But as we kind of peel back some layers of the onion, as we just said, it might be the similar hopper of prospects, but added some future capital.
1: I love to hear that. So that makes me feel better about the move. I definitely have grown to appreciate the decision that they made uh, for the long game. Uh, Just considering next year, we'll have potentially three first round picks. That would be something that will definitely benefit us for building the future of the franchise, as I alluded to a little bit earlier in the episode. So you said on the last podcast when we discussed things with you that you didn't think the Eagles should go quarterback in the first round. Has your view of that changed at all when you consider that Wentz was traded after we kind of spoke about that?
0: No, I think I'm excited and optimistic for, you know, Jalen Hurts and his young exuberance and kind of a run pass threat uh, in the offense. And I'm excited for Nick Sirianni and to see what that marriage uh, can look like. Um, I don't think it's going to look the same as Carson Wentz operating the team or Doug Peterson calling plays, and I'm excited for new beginnings. This league is so year-to-year, Kelly. We can't feel sorry for ourselves and sulk. It's just our shoulders off and start moving forward.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, we're seeing the team make some decisions in free agency, helping uh, address some of the roster needs for the immediate future. What would you say is the biggest position of need going into the draft that the Eagles must address?
0: Well, it's interesting because you can make a case for a number of positions and maybe even positions that you feel safe about the current status. The offensive line healthy right now has five starters. So if you add an offensive lineman at 12 – there's going to be an odd man out in there, which I love adding the depth, but is it an immediate need? Maybe not. Uh, cornerback opposite Slay has been obviously a target of the media and conversation, maybe getting younger in the edge, getting a, a safety member next to Rodney McLeod there. If it's not Kayvon Wallace, do you need to get more athletic at linebacker uh, based on the new defensive scheme, trying to reflect everything that's being brought over from previous regimes? So, you know, the Colts had, Darius Leonard's and some really athletic long linebackers. Do so they want to see a little bit more range and athleticism there as opposed to, you know, the Nate Gary's and TJ Edwards that have their pros and cons as well. You know, it's just interesting to look at them address the receiver position so heavily last year getting, you know, Quez and Hightower and Joe and in the first round It would have no issue with them adding another weapon. Uh, Miles Sanders really emerged, you know, as a sophomore last year into a star in the NFL I'm not ruling out running back the way the Colts took Jonathan Taylor in the second round last year and fed him the ball early and often and let him be that tone setter. I don't know if that's Miles Sanders skill set so he might need that thunder to hit it to his lightning. I know we have Boston Scott and Jordan Howard sitting there in the depth, but it's really interesting and I think it's a good position because they don't have to reach they could kind of let the board fall to them and know let's just add good players. And I think when you start reaching and trying to hit that bullseye of a position, that's when the accuracy and the variance goes all over the place. At the end of the day, Kelly, let's add good players, good competition, good depth, and the team will get better.
1: Yeah, and I like what you said. It's almost like the fact that we have so many roster holes, it's um, less likely that they would reach on a player because we could see the fit if the prospect on the board at best player available mentality is um, gonna fit into the roster pretty pretty seamlessly.
0: Yeah, I think so. And I try to speculate scenarios and say, hey, if Rashawn Slater is sitting there at twelve, then we go into training camp, is Rashawn Slater competing with Dillard at left tackle, say Omalu at left guard? What if Slater doesn't win the job initially? you know, what is the narrative around a first round pick potentially not being a starter. Um, So while tackle and offensive alignment are intriguing there too, um, and we know that depth is going to be tested, especially on the O-line, it's a marathon season and 17 games now it's getting longer. You better prepare and have that depth as Eagles traditionally have. Uh, I know last year with the 13 or 14 offensive line combinations has left a lot of people some nightmares, but um, I think it's just a really safe place knowing that there's a couple directions they can go. And it's not just one glaring need to make or break them in 2021.
1: Yeah. And that's very um, interesting uh, thought process because I, I really hadn't thought about it that way. Um, you know, we discussed a little bit about some of these prospects ahead of uh, the draft. Uh, early on in January, so a lot has changed. We're picking at 12 now, and so let's talk about some of the players who may still be there on the board at that point. Uh, You spoke about Devontae Smith on the last podcast with us, gave us his NFL comp, so let's talk about his Bama teammate, Jalen Waddell. Who's your NFL comp for him?
0: NFL comp for Waddell is really interesting. I saw him in person twice in 2019, and the first time – Uh, It was against Arkansas, and my announcer, Greg McElroy, was like, if you haven't really watched Jalen Waddell, I swear, he's a combination of Dante Hall and Devin Hester. And I was like, no, he isn't. Dante Hall and Devin Hester? That's pretty high praise, two of the most prolific returners in NFL history. Right. I think he took the opening kickoff back and had another like 80-yard touchdown. At halftime, I buzzed him on headset and was like, I think those comps might be too low, actually. Um, but it's a really interesting because he's kind of a unicorn, and there's a few of those in this class, you know, the Pitts and the Smiths, and there's a little unconventional. He's kind of height, weight, speed, Santana Moss, you know, at 5'9", mm-hmm. 184. Santana Moss ran a four three one, Just wasn't really used properly throughout his career. T.Y. Hilton, same kind of height, weight, speed. Um, but Roscoe Parrish out of Miami, was electric just in an era that didn't use those players properly in the offense. Same right. thing. He was a shrimp. He was five nine, one seventy five, ran in the four twos and just never really carved out that right role in the NFL. Um, we're seeing these players use more, Properly, I guess you could say and finding you know adequate ways to use them and tap into their skill set and explosiveness not just as a gadget player and on special teams but as a true function and fixture of offenses so those are a couple names Santana Moss T.Y. Hilton maybe a little Roscoe Parrish as a throwback but if you just want to go to the straight returners the Devin Hesters the Dante Halls but used in this era with this era of coaches I think that hopper of names is probably the right ballpark.
1: That makes sense. Uh, I've heard Tyreek Hill. What do you think about that kind of, Tyre- of like Tyreek Hill is, recent-
0: is, yeah. So there's a couple guys, Kelly, that I elect to not use as comps okay. because there's such an outlier. So, you know, the Calvin Johnson's of the world and the Peyton Manning's of the world. And um, you know, the Tyron Smith tackles and guys like that. Tyreek Hill is a freak. Right. This is a guy that I think broke the 100-meter record in high school. His level of speed, but doing it in a running back's body, he is thick. He is thick through the core, thick through the butt, thick through the lower half, and a prolific route runner. He is incredible, absolutely incredible, even with you know the off-the-field improprieties. That I also don't like to use him for a comp for that reason. But, yeah, he's going to be used in that fashion. If used properly, and that's how I think he should be used. um But Tyreek Hill is such a unicorn, it's tough to ever use him as a comparison.
1: I think that's very fair and very wise of you because if you say somebody's Tyreek Hill, they better turn out to be as, <laughs> as Tyreek Hill or you never. And
0: don't get me wrong, Kelly, be- I, I hedge my bets. I have a column of NFL comps, and rarely ever do I just have one. Fair enough. So I try to give a little bit of the spectrum of saying, hey, maybe this is a high end. Maybe this is a low end. Maybe it was this guy in college, but not this guy in the pros and vice versa. So you, you cast a wide net. You're not as under the microscope with that one for one.
1: I think that's fair. Because they
0: come for you. If you do a one for one, they come for oh, you. Oh, sure.
1: <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, so, I mean, when you look at what Waddle did at Bama, Do you think he would be a good fit for what Sirianni's crafting in Philly for the offense?
0: Kelly, if you can't find a fit for him in the offense, that's a you problem, not a him problem. Um, So I think he's going to be a good fit in any offense. If used properly Um, the manufactured touches the yards after catch RPO opportunities in combination with being a deep threat, double move guy off play action, I don't think he already
1: has chemistry with the quarterback who might be throwing the ball to him.
0: No question. Um, So I think he's not going to be a high volume type of guy. He might be a guy that, you know, a good day is four for 120 and a touchdown type of thing. Having those big chunk plays, the explosive plays. I don't think he's going to be the quarterback's best friend on third down. I don't think he's going to make those tight in traffic catches on third and four for five yards and take a hit. He's a guy you want to keep clean, keep fresh, get him the ball on the move and try to get the big chunk plays, and which you hom- might just see. And make
1: the defense stay honest on. No
0: question. Back those safeties up just a little bit, get defensive coordinator to think about him during the week, the whole deal. I think this Eagles team is going to be physical and nasty and run game based. Mm-hmm. And it might be a, shot play waddle type play once a quarter type of thing and that could frustrate fans because you take a player early in the draft you want him to be a high fixture of the offense and that may not be waddle's place in the nfl whether it's with the eagles and Sirianni or elsewhere Uh, but projecting to how ty hilton was used in Sirianni's offense and previously of syria before Sirianni at the colts it's never a high volume guy and you know, neither was Deshaun Jackson here in Philadelphia, but he, he shows up with three for 150 and two touchdowns, and Eagles fans are pretty happy with that result.
1: Yeah, I mean, we loved Deshaun Jackson when he was drafted to the Eagles, and I'm sure that all Colts fans will tell you how much they love T.Y. Hilton. So if you get <laughs> level of a player into your roster, you're not going to be mad about it for sure.
0: Yeah, no question. And I'm excited for Jalen Hurts in year two. I'm excited for Jalen Rieger in year two. I'm excited Not for Jaylen, the offense.
1: If he comes to the Eagles, let's be honest, that could be confusing. So talk <laughs> to another Jalen. <laughs> Different spelling, but Miami edge Jalen Phillips has been getting mocked higher in the last few weeks after his pro day. What does his tape suggest most about the player he'll be at the next level?
0: Jalen Phillips out of Miami is really interesting. Was the number one uh, high school prospect coming out several years earlier. Went to UCLA, retired. I do not say this lightly, Kelly. He is the most complete edge rusher in this class. Wow. And you could immediately go through the roll decks. Ah, Aziz Oljolari. Yes, he's looser. Quiddy Pei is more explosive. Rousseau is longer. Carlos Basham will run through a wall. He's stronger. Shaka has got a better step. Owe is a freak athlete. He's got more upside, but Phillips is the best package of all of it. He can bend flatten. He's got speed to power. He's got spin moves, counter moves. He's an aware player, can play in space, can work on stunting games. You want to line up a three tech and go against guards. He could do that. His hand usage, his best tape looks like Nick Bosa. Wow. And I don't say that lightly. Now, the issue with him.
1: I don't think you would say that lightly. (laughs) What we just said about the comps, that's a big. Yeah.
0: So I've written down Nick Bosa, and I think a little bit more of an appropriate comp is Whitney Merciless coming out of Illinois, who is also a first round pick. Really nice Mm -hmm. pro for the Texans. Uh, Athletic player can line up up and down that line there. But the big question with Phillips is. The injury history that made him retire from the game, concussion-based. And he's got some off-the-field off interests to dig into as well. Um, so he's one of these players that the tape is first-round quality. But right. there's a lot of other you know factors swirling, as there are with every prospect. And it just seems like this draft has a lot more of those. Uh, a lot more question marks, whether a guy didn't play this year, didn't play for two years, coming off an injury, off-the-field right. stuff seems like it's just a hodgepodge of all different scenarios of prospects. Uh, And it's really making evaluators kind of work and bend over backwards and understand where their limitation of knowledge starts and ends. Uh, And if I don't know the kid and don't have access to his medicals and there's a lot of limitations in my report too. Uh, So it's a big projection and I can only look at the tape and watching every snap of his career, essentially got first round tape. Now let's just see if he's first round medicals, first round off the field, first round type of upside, but he is an impressive player.
1: Great. I mean, I I definitely think that is uh, an interesting part of the whole thing. You have to look at the full picture, the player, the person, all of that kind of goes into And this
0: is why, you know, players can rise and fall in the draft and end up being third round Hall of Famers, you know, or first round a lot of league in two weeks, you know, type of thing. So yeah. he's well, one of these guys. You saw what happened
1: with uh, Isaiah Wilson with the
0: Titans. <laughs> a-, a thousand percent, a thousand percent. So. And this is the guy I think I said two months ago, if he retires tomorrow, I won't be surprised. If he's a Hall of Famer, I won't be surprised. Well. And there's a lot of guys that I just have that countering reaction. And it's like Walker Little. If he's a first-round pick, I'll have the same reaction if he's a fifth-round pick there's just a lot of conversation this draft where it's like i don't know i can make a case for both sides of the spectrum so that's a little waffly it's a little hedging my bets and not kind of pushing my chips to one side but that's
1: why it's so hard to draft evaluate
0: (laughs) exactly but i'm not making picks kelly so all i want to do is educate the fans on both sides of those scenarios and just say why is that so likely to happen on both sides And it's very possible.
1: Definitely. Now, uh, another person who has some off the field concerns at this point is Caleb Farley because he just had surgery. Do you think he's still going in the first round?
0: I don't. Um, I think the back issue with the surgery in combination to his ACL tear in 2017, Mm -hmm. which obviously a knee injury for cornerbacks always worrisome, especially in the last three, four years. I think he's going to go in that Sydney Jones, Jalen Smith ballpark early second round. Um, not so much the Jeffrey Simmons who went middle of the first round as an injured player, but more that early second round first player off the board on day two. The thing is, Miles
1: with, Jack. We saw Miles Jack completely drop uh, when we thought he was a top ten p- player. A thousand
0: percent. Yep. That little injury can obviously you know drop you back a tier or two, but in combination with the injury. This is the guy that's only been playing cornerback for two years. Right. And it's not like he was, he, all right, he's a freak, freak athlete. Incredible speed. He didn't need to work out his pro day to people, for people to know he's a four-two player. He ran 4'3 in high school. He's got incredible 100-meter times, uh, track in high school. This wasn't a freak athlete that just played everywhere in high school. He was a quarterback and went to Virginia Tech as a receiver. Never played corner and then moved to corner at Virginia Tech and got hurt. He's only played corner for two years in his life. In my opinion, Kelly, football is very much a learn-on-the-job sport. Baseball, you can be a prodigy. Basketball, you can have some prodigy-like traits and be successful. Football, you can't. So I think if you don't have the experience, you need to get it, and it really shows up on its tape. I think a lot of snaps, he just survives with natural athleticism. And it's freaky. He is really good. He's big. He's strong. He's physical. He's long. He's explosive. He can run. He's got ball skills. He checks all the boxes. But you have to imagine
1: a guy like Gannon's excited about getting his claws into a prospect like that, though.
0: No question.
1: In the game, and he has all of the traits to learn. That's that's an elite level talent.
0: Right. Um, So, in combination with just his rawness as a quarterback prospect and the injuries, that's kind of the recipe for a slide at around one. Does that mean he's ready for camp? Is he ready for the season? Do you shut him down completely and just make sure he's healthy? A lot of direction, it, you know, it can go. I don't know if that gives Eagles fans maybe a couple uh you know nightmares at night considering some previous uh, you know, drafted injured players and maybe didn't have the success you had hoped, but definitely the style that Gannon would prefer. And if I just had to collectively comment on that Colts defense and that kind of philosophy and the feel and the personality, nothing finesse about it. Everybody was tough at every position. Corners were tough. Edge rushers were tough linebackers and safeties tough. Nobody was finesse on that team. So there's definitely a, a style that he prefers and Cale Farley went healthy and on the field. He fits it.
1: Yeah, and that makes sense. I, I think a lot of fans heard about the injury or the, the surgery he was going to be having um, pretty significant. I mean, a back surgery from what I understand. Um, so I, I think it just gave people a little bit more of a pause. Certainly gave me a pause. Um, We kind of recall the Sidney Jones pick and have fears that that could be what happens. But, I mean, he had an Achilles tear, which is very different as far as having a recovery from. But we'll see what happens with Farley. I'm very curious about where he'll end up and, and what he turns out to be as an NFL prospect.
0: And really quick, Kelly, you know the human element I love to put on everything. Sometimes these players getting injured for the first times in their lives is a turbulent time. Sure, and I think you know Sydney dealt with some of that turbulence, both on the field, off the field, recovery, mentally, confidence-wise. And you don't always know where that's going to go. Sometimes it can fire a player up, and it becomes that much better of a professional or player. And sometimes it can bury you, um, or maybe there's a complication and things like that. So always remember, twenty to twenty-five year old, just young adults going through life some trip and fall some succeed and it's not just football it's all industries you know it's such a high variance time football isn't a high variance thing 20 to 25 year olds are a high variance thing so it's just important to know hey these are humans some are gonna make it and some aren't and it's not always about your football ability
1: yeah totally understand and respect that there's another player that's at the cornerback position that i would love to get your thoughts on what's your favorite part of jc horn's game
0: uh, J.C. Horn, no nonsense, tough, physical, alpha dog, doesn't back down. And he had to wear a lot of hats for South Carolina. Go guard Devontae Smith, and we're going to blitz the safety of no help. Go guard Kyle Pitts outside the number. Oh, hey, Elijah Moore is killing us in the slot. Go guard him. He had to do everything for the South Carolina defense. And believe me, he took his lumps. There is some just, this is a gauntlet of receivers in the SEC. This was just this year. You go back to last year, Alabama baptized him too. He had to play LSU. There's a lot of NFL style receivers. He has a guard. And he showed up. Uh, so I like to see he's a no-nonsense guy that's experienced. He's long. He's physical. He's got a short-term memory. He's going to come swinging every play. He's a guy that definitely fits that uh, that kind of Colts style of no-nonsense defense. There's nothing finesse about anybody on this defense. And J.C. Horn kind of fits that. He'll stick his nose in run support. He's forced some fumbles. Uh, against Auburn this year, he shut down Seth Williams, which has been made a lot of highlights and tons of PBUs, interception, forced another interception. My favorite play was him putting Seth Williams on his butt trying to block him put him right down and made the tackle. I said, give me this guy. I want JC Horn on my team.
1: Yeah. I like the energy. I think that he would make sense for the Eagles if he's still on the board at 12. Uh, I would love for the Eagles to have somebody as an answer across from slay on the field, because we certainly saw uh, quarterbacks picking on the CB two last year um, just to avoid slay side of the field. Um, So definitely think that uh, one of these cornerbacks could be an answer for us uh, in this coming draft for sure. Uh, we're, we're nearing the, the decision at 12. Uh, we didn't get the combine, but we did see a lot of these guys perform at their pro day. What player has helped their stock most in the last few months?
0: Uh, there's probably a couple there that are warranting first round conversation that maybe we aren't seeing as much. I think uh Edge Carlos Basham out of Wake Forest, Boogie Basham tested out of this world at his pro day and when he start to peel back all the kind of layers of his onion in the career, excellent week at the senior bowl playing inside outside productive player for three years at Wake Forest. This is also a guy that doesn't want to run around anybody. He wants to run right through you and plays to the echo of the echo of the whistle. Showed up to Wake Forest at like 215. He's up to 280 now. Absolutely shri Shredded, yeah. Um, they should just have a picture of him in like the uh, the, the weight room at Wake Forest as a billboard. But uh, he's a really impressive player that I think warrants first round conversation. I just can't figure out where any of the edge rushers go, whether it's Quiddy Pay, Gregor Rousseau, Jalen Phillips, um, you know, Carlos Basham. Are they mid first round guys, end of first round guys? Are the tackles getting pushed up in lieu of the edge rushers? Um, a couple other guys, Levi Onzarike. It's not a very deep interior defensive tackle class. It seems like it's Barmore and Onzerike at the top. I -hmm. like Onzerike more. I could definitely see him squeezing in the back end of round one. Another Pac-12 guy, Javon Holland, not enough people are talking about. This is a 200-pound nickel. This is a safety nickel. This is a guy that's explosive with ball skills, can guard slots, tight ends, run support. Excellent returner. I think he's exactly what the NFL wants in that sub package role, kind of in the middle of the field. And my last one, my last kind of uh call in my shot, I think Davis Mills ends up being a first round pick. We know okay. the quarterbacks always get pushed up his yes. best stuff, his best tape, which is very limited. Started 11 games in his career, a very small body of work, height, weight, speed, and his best tape. It looks like Matt Ryan. He looks like he was built in a lab to play quarterback for someone. He's 6'5", 225, with a strong jawline. He's just a guy that wants to represent your organization, type of CEO quarterback. Just very small sample size from Stanford. Had a knee injury and some other things over at Stanford and didn't play over KJ Costello initially. But um, he's a really good-looking prospect. We know the quarterbacks get pushed up. If maybe a team wants to slide back in at 30, 31, 32 and go get him, especially next year, I don't think it's a deep QB group. So they may say, hey, you know what, this guy's got some developmental tools Uh, along with Kellen Mond, who I think is a pretty clear cut day two guy. But Davis Mills is that one that's kind of swirling right now with could he go in round one? Is that really possible? And I think it is.
1: So are you saying that you think potentially six quarterbacks go in night one of the draft?
0: I think so. I think Mills is kind of the, the, the outlier. And I don't think it's going to happen, but it's possible, you know, as an NFL network crew working the draft, we'll have that tape ready in the first round just in case. Um, And I think we've only had quarterbacks go one, two, three, one or two other times. I think it's going to go one, two, three, four. And to do you one more, I think it's going to go one, two, three, four, five. I don't know if Atlanta is going to take a QB or not at four, but I think Cincinnati will trade out of five. If you don't need a quarterback, I'm putting a billboard up and saying, "Come trade with us," and hopefully we can get another first round pick or maybe even another day two pick, as it's very deep in the middle of the draft.
1: That makes sense. Um, you you mentioned that you would have the tape ready for the NFL Network. Has there ever been a time when? a person was taken in the first round and you didn't have the tape ready?
0: <laughs> maybe not. No, never not ready. There might've been a, a scramble or two to go pull it, um, <laughs> which it's nice to be on the pick line and to hear things, you know, maybe 30 seconds early and that allows TV to get prepared a little right. pull back the curtain for the fans there just to make sure TV is always getting ahead of Roger and what's coming. But there's been a couple you know, whoa, or you know, we had to quickly go dig for something. I think last year, did Damon Arnett go to the Raiders. Okay, um, the year before, Cleon Farrell going forth to the Raiders. We didn't see that early. Uh, Mitch Trubisky being like traded Mayock to is two. not making
1: your job easy, and he's a former <laughs> uh, colleague of yours. So you need to He's always to- he's
0: always looking down <laughs> on me. I got his head cut out right up here over uh, Peter's. You Roselle, tell him but, to keep
1: you uh, off your toes and right, before? yeah
0: there's always a couple that you know are are maybe make us reach you know for an extra button in the truck, but it's usually not until day three that the uh you know the international players and the rugby players like to get drafted and really uh test the truck
1: I was a big fan of the Jordan mile tape when they showed him at the draft that's a fun one.
0: <laughs> that was great that he was there in person. We were able to have him out on the set uh, yeah. and he actually hung he hung out at the NFL network recap party. And it was just funny because this like nearly seven footer is just kind of towering over all the NFL network producers and stuff. And it was just fun to have him there. That was a really fun draft. I think that was out in Dallas, if I'm not mistaken, but.
1: I think you're right. And um, I think he's such an incredible story, which proves that, you know, you can find talent at every, (laughs) like every single um, round of the draft. He was a seventh round pick and he's potentially going to be competing with Dillard for that first, that starting left tackle position. So looking forward to seeing what he can do.
0: Yeah. It's been amazing to watch kind of that development. And when you have that natural athleticism to you, there's a little bit of coachability and willingness to learn it's kind of just fun to see what an amazing athletic specimen, which is really all he was just an athletic specimen can do with himself. You know, with just a little bit of training and a little bit of will.
1: Yeah. And I'm I'm hoping at some point we see him line up at fullback. Okay. <laughs>
0: I'm
1: just like Sirianni do it for me.
0: Just- I've always thought that Kelly. I just want to see what are his hands like? I've seen some of these rugby highlights and him making exactly. some nice catches, slip him out in the flat off play action or something. And at the yeah. end of the day, if he never plays another snap, what an incredible human being. He's a great, great person. He's been a great you know, guy to be an ambassador, obviously, for the rugby community and just being a great ambassador for the Eagles around the community here in Philadelphia. Infectious guy, infectious smile, infectious voice, as I'm sure we've all heard him strumming yeah. his uh, ukulele out in the locker room. But, yeah, great guy.
1: Love it. Um, all right, so the Eagles have the most picks in this draft with 11 at this point. What's your over or under on whether the class will be eight prospects
0: eight let's say let's say over Uh, i feel comfortable but getting getting nine maybe even ten maybe there's a jockey for 10 20 spots to go get a guy in the mid tiers which might cost them a later round pick but I think nine prospects would be a fair number considering Howie's usual you know, propensity to move around and maybe stockpile some future capital. And um, that's one of the biggest fleeces on draft day is getting future draft capital. So mm-hmm. always think into the future and you have to prepare for 2022 and how strange that draft is going to be and how big that draft is going to be. So kind of getting some picks. And what I mean by fleecing is you could always get really good value for next year's draft as teams aren't really valuing those picks as much. So because they there's want a it. lot
1: of patience involved with that.
0: No question. And teams say, Oh, look, our guys up on the board four picks earlier, let's go get the guy we want. We just have to give up a third next year. Suddenly the present kind of overtakes the future, which some teams are thinking that and some teams aren't. So uh, there's always really good opportunities to get future capital at a great price. So we have 11 picks. That could be 11 good players. That could be 11 uses for capital and adding assets for the future. So I think the Eagles are in a really advantageous spot. And Kelly, I'm excited. I'm not, I'm not in sulking mode anymore. We watched the tape, we buried it. We're on to the future and I'm excited for the future of the Eagles.
1: I am very excited as well. And I love to end on a positive note. So that couldn't have been stated any better. Um, that's all we have time for folks. Thank you so much to Ben for coming on to chat with me. Please go check out Ben's work that he's doing with Fran Duffy on the Eagles journey to the draft podcast. We're all excited, looking forward to the draft coming up. They do some fantastic work and provide insight on these players, the film. Uh, So please go check that out uh, as we await the decisions that will be made in Cleveland, Ohio. Listeners, please remember to subscribe to the Eagles Unfiltered podcast for future episodes of the Kelly Green Show and Fly Eagles Fly.
0: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile